Have a seat, have a seat. And here's the way where you're going to start this morning. I want you to uh, see mamas beside you, ladies beside you, and I want you to just turn to them and say, you are amazing. Thank you for your life. Just do that real quick. Perfect, perfect. And if you have a Bible, I know that can go forever, and uh, continue that over lunch and the rest of your life. Um, so if you have a Bible, jump to 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to be looking at, uh, at some, some lessons from uh, the life of, of Paul's letter to Timothy. And uh, so 2 Timothy chapter 1, let me read a couple verses for us to jump us off, and, uh, and then we will uh, continue in the sermon. Uh, my name is Kevin Barra. I'm the college pastor here at Southwood Campus. Uh, y'all are amazing. Uh, I have an amazing wife, Hillary, uh, who asked me on this Mother's Day weekend to not listen to me preach because she faithfully listens every week and instead sleep in and spend time at home with the children. And so on this Mother's Day, I let her do that. And then she will podcast me later on. Uh, uh, so Second Timothy chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 3. Let me read that for us. It says this, Now I thank God. Whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I, reminded, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. I love this section of scripture and I love this this theme for this morning because there's a simple truth that I want us to get this morning and it's simply this that behind every great man there's a woman rolling her eyes okay I love that quote from Jim Carrey and 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 the and really, it's not even that that I want to get you to, to understand but but the truth is this there are people behind us that have made us to who we are today there are influences in our lives that have spoken, that have encouraged, that, that have made us to be the men and women that we are today. George Matthew Adams says it this way, there is no such thing as a self-made man. We are made up of thousands of others. Everyone who has ever done a kind deed for us or spoken one word of encouragement to us has entered into the makeup of our character and our thoughts as well as our successes. And the truth is this. We all have spiritual influencers in our life. People that have encouraged us, people that have spoken into us, people that have made us into the men and women that we are today. And, and I, I love this concept, especially on this season, this day of Mother's Day. Because we can all point to individuals that have said a kind word to us, given us encouragement, spoken the right word in season that, that has changed us, that has made us into be to be more of who God has made us and wanted us to be. And, and this summer, we're starting a new series called Founders, where we're looking at, at spiritual influencers throughout the, the New Testament in particular. 
And I thought on Mother's Day weekend, there's no better place to start than the impact that women have made historically through the scriptures in people's lives, but also to reflect on on the impact that women have made in our lives. And so Paul is writing to young Timothy. And if you're not familiar with the Bible as well, or familiar with Timothy in particular, Paul was one of the most amazing apostles that wrote much of the New Testament. And in many of his letters, he's instructing churches or individuals in how to live their life well. And he's speaking this letter, 2 Timothy, to young Timothy. Now, young Timothy had traveled with Paul for about 15 years on two of his missionary journeys. And over those 15 years, Paul picked him up in Acts chapter 16, we read about it, in Lystra, and took him along on all these missionary journeys. And so Timothy had really watched Paul live life and do ministry well throughout all of the the Mediterranean region. And as he is traveling with Paul, there comes a moment when Paul is planting a church in Ephesus, and later on, Paul sends Timothy to help establish that church at Ephesus. First Timothy talks about establishing elders and rulership at that church as they're encountering a lot of different problems. And in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, this letter that we're looking at is probably one of the most tender of Paul's writings. And Paul says of Timothy several amazing things. One of the phrases he says is this, I have no one like him. When Paul looks at Timothy, he calls him his child in the faith, and I have no one like you. He thinks of a loving, encouraging relationship. But Timothy is in a tough circumstance. This church is under opposition. Uh, There's a lot of people that are speaking against the church, trying to push the church down. And so Paul needs to give Timothy encouragement. Paul needs to give Timothy inspiration. He needs to, to, to help him to be excited about the challenges and charge the challenges in front of him with energy and excitement. And what's interesting is you go, okay, Paul, how are you going to pump Timothy up? How are you going to encourage him to engage in the challenges ahead of him? And that's a good question for us to ask. As you encounter the challenges of your life, as you encounter the difficulties in front of you, what are you going to look for for encouragement as you encounter those difficulties? And I love where Paul points him to. He points him to the foundation of his life. A foundation that was set largely by the women in his life. And he points to the women in his life that gave him three great tools that I think we need in our life. The first is this, the foundation of faith. Secondly, a foundation of the scripture. And thirdly, these two together lay the foundation for Timothy to fight. And for us, as we think about this sermon, as we think about this day, here's what I want to give us. I want to give us the foundations to both both appreciate the impact that women have made in each one of our lives, but also to... Help us to lay the foundation in the lives of others. And that's why I love uh, the fact that we did baby dedications. I mean, what did we commit to right there? What did you just commit to? To help lay the foundation in the lives of others. And I'll tell you what, if we learn what, what Eunice and Lois did in the life of Timothy, we can be that type of influence in the lives of others. So the first thing that we see that the women laid in the life of Timothy is this, a foundation for faith. Read with me again in First Timothy, or 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. Paul says this, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors. See where Paul points to? He says, I thank God whom I serve, but this same God my ancestors served also. See, Paul is pointing to his lineage, his heritage of faith. He says, I want to look back at the men that 
have made an influence on my life. He says, I thank God continually as I think about those people that serve God with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers. He says, I'm praying for you, Timothy, and as I'm thinking about how to encourage you, I think about my legacy of faith that has brought me encouragement in the moment. Verse 4, and as I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I'm going to be filled with joy. Verse verse 5, and I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you also. See, when Paul is looking for how to inspire Timothy, he points to Timothy's past. He points to the women that were inspirational in his walk of faith. He says something about their faith, though. It's sincere. He says it's a sincere faith in you, and I know that sincere faith, that same sincere faith, dwelled in those women, your mother and your grandmother. See, for whatever reason, we don't get a picture of Timothy's father. We know that Timothy's father was a Greek. We get that in Acts chapter 16. But for whatever reason, Timothy's father was not a spiritual influence or a spiritual impactor in the life of Timothy. But his mama and his grandmama were great spiritual influencers. And he says something about their faith. It was sincere. It's the Greek word, um, I'll try to pronounce it correctly, anipokritos, which means this, without hypocrisy. See, in the Greek culture, there were hypocrites that were actors, And in Greek culture, actors would wear masks. And each mask would uh, portray a particular character, whether it was a sad face or a happy face. You've probably seen these. And and the hypocrites were there to to put on a show, to put on a mask, to represent a particular character. But Paul says of this, when I look at your faith and the faith of your mother and your grandmother, let me tell you something about that faith. There were no masks. There was no pretending. They weren't putting on a show for faith. They weren't putting on the right clothes to look nice. There was something deeply changed within their heart. Who they were on the inside was reflected on the outside. The outside reflected an interior that was genuinely changed. And let me tell you what, ladies. One of the greatest compliments anyone can give to you is this. That you have a sincere faith. That what we see on the outside is merely a reflection of the deep heart on the inside. And Paul says of these women, I know that they have a sincere faith. Well, the question that I think most of us would ask would be like, well, what does that sincere faith look like? Well, Paul uses the same word sincere in several other passages of Scripture. And and looking at those together, we can get a, a fuller picture of what sincere faith looks like. In Romans 12, 9, it says this, let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. There's, there's something about this sincerity of faith, which, which means it's genuine. It means it holds to what's good. It's, it, it's pure in its essence. 2 Corinthians 6, 6 says this, By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. There's, there's, there's something about this, this genuineness, this sincere faith that is genuinely loving. That is genuinely caring for the people around it. James says it this way, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable and gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. See the the contrast? Impartial. It means it doesn't take sides. It's genuine. It's not not, 
um, jaded in any way. It's not separated. It doesn't take sides. It is wisdom from above. It's gentle. It's open to reason. First Peter 1.22 says it this way, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And when you look at all of those kind of ideas together of what sincerity means, it basically means this, that you have a sincere love for God and for others. That you genuinely love God. You don't take sides or partiality. You love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But you also have a genuine love and care and compassion for others. See, what this genuine faith should look like is that when you walk through the days of your life, people should see it play out in the way that you care for them. People should see this genuine faith play out in every one of your interactions. And I want to give you three simple ways in which this genuine love, this sincere faith, can play out in your life. The first thing that we don't see exactly all the pieces of the way this played out in Timothy's life, but the first way that it can play out is simply in prayer. That you would be people, women and grandmothers, that pray for your kids. That's one simple way that you can actually demonstrate a genuine faith. This was so encouraging to me. Um, my, my wife, Hillary, is, is absolutely amazing. She has an amazing grandmother. And, and, and what was really interesting, after we got married, about a year after we got married, as I was entering into ministry full-time, she pulls me over, over to, the, to the side, and her name is Mimi. Now, Mimi is from Troop, Texas. She is a hardworking woman. She pulls me aside. She goes, do you know my grandmother prayed that we would all marry preachers? None of us did. <laughs> but you are an answer to her prayer. I was like, Mimi. <laughs> and that actually was her prayer as well. She prayed that her kids would love the Lord and love others and that maybe a preacher would come. That had been a legacy of prayer. And I think back to my grandmother, my, my dad's mom. She grew up in Illinois in a small town, farming community. She was the youngest of eight kids. She had seven older brothers. I don't know how she survived or how she got married. Um, But my dad tells me that they grew up in a a Methodist community, and they would go to these Methodist revivals, these tent revivals, and pray for God to move in their lives and the lives of others. And I am a recipient of a long legacy of faith. I think about my mom, how she prayed for us and cared for us and brought us to church even when we didn't want to go. But not only prayer, secondly, there's presence. And I know for a fact that Lois and Eunice had a dramatic presence in the life of Timothy. They're there in, in, in throughout all of Paul's letters. You can look at their names as they're mentioned in Paul's shout-out sections at the ends of some of his, of his letters to the different churches. They're there. Their presence is very, very clear. But let me tell you what. Your presence can have a huge impact on the spiritual vitality of people beneath you, even if you don't tell them anything. And listen. You don't have to be a mom or a grandma to have a spiritual presence in the lives of someone else. I know for me, my coach in high school was a woman named Megan Thomas. And she was uh, a Christian, and she had to deal with me. And in high school, I was hard-headed and a punk kid. 
and I'm no longer a kid, but I'm still a bit hard-headed. So, but, but she was so encouraging to me. And she was so faithful and genuine in her faith. I could tell from the beginning that she was a Christian. There was something different within her. And as I went, I wasn't a Christian in high school, but I went up to college and became a, a Christian. She would continually have a presence in my life. So I ran track in high school, and she coached me there, and I ran track in college. And she would come to the meets, and she would cheer me on even in that moment. She was a consistent, positive presence in my life. It was amazing. There's another woman who's been that in my life, too. Her name is Shelley Blumstead. She works on staff. Um, she works mainly, mainly at the Anderson campus, but she attends the Creekside campus. And when I was leading youth ministry, um, I was starting to have young kids. And my wife, she's amazing. She's a veterinarian. And on Fridays and Saturdays, sometimes she works in Katy at a vet clinic. And so she would be gone for a long weekend, some weekends. And I had, at this point in time, three of my kids. The fourth hadn't come along yet. And so I had Peyton, who was probably about four, uh, Micah, who was about three, and Jesse, who was about one, one and a half years old. And I'm at home alone with the three children. Not a safe place to be, right? As I'm there, uh, the kids are playing on the couch, and, uh, and Micah is wielding a wooden spatula. It is his guitar and his item of joy. And it's a thick, large, I don't know why he bought it, but it's a thick, large wooden spatula, and he's winging it, and Jesse goes to take it from him, and he takes that spatula and swings it across Jesse's forehead, slicing it across the way, blood spewing. I'm in the kitchen getting dinner ready, and I just see this curdling scream from Micah, not Jesse, right? He's in shock. Micah goes like, ah, ah. I'm sorry, and just like collapses on the couch. He's screaming more than my son who is maimed, right? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I have no idea how to help. I've never been in this situation. And I'm sitting there going, I hate blood. What, what? I don't even know what to do. And the first person I think to call is Shelly Blumstead. She had three daughters. And I said, Shelly, there's blood gushing out of my son's forehead. Um, my wife is out of town. She's going to kill me when she comes back into town. And she goes, I'll be right there. It's about 8.30 at night. She drives over, sits in the car. We drive to the emergency room. It's a simple fix, a little bit of glue. But she was there with her presence to bring calm and peace. That is one of the greatest gifts you can give. A friend of mine, Jacob Smith, who's a pastor um, of college ministry over to the Anderson campus. His son was sick. He and his wife had to go to the hospital And Allison Ledette got up at three in the morning, single woman, came and stayed at their house while they could be at the hospital with their young son. Let me tell you what, the ministry of presence is so significant. Prayer, presence, thirdly, encouragement. That you could be one to speak encouragement into the lives of the people around you. Women, you don't know the power of your words. You can lift a man up to the highest heights, or you can drive him down to the lowest lows. When my wife speaks positive words to me, I rise. If she was to speak, she never does, but if she was to speak a negative word to me, I sink. Women, your words are so powerful in the lives of men. For me, when I was in college, there was a woman um, named Cheryl Fletcher who was leading the college ministry. A single woman in her 40s. She never got married. 
But she was a huge spiritual influencer in my life. And I remember at one point in time, we're doing like a little prayer meeting, and I'm, and I'm praying in our little group, and she says, you pray to Jesus well. Why, would you pray some more for us? And I'm like, okay. And I just prayed. And, and a couple of years later, I became an intern in that college ministry, and I spoke one time for the first time. And she comes to me afterward, and I, I had done a terrible job. And she says, you have the tools to speak the word of God to people. She didn't train me in the word of God, but she encouraged me in the word of God. The words that you speak can be extremely uplifting. And I tell you what, these women put this into Timothy's life. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have referenced it. If they were a dark spot, he wouldn't have talked about them. But these women crucially spoke positive words. They were present in his life. They prayed for young Timothy. And not only did they do those things in life, not only did they have a foundation of biblical faith that was laid in the life of Timothy, secondly, these women did something else. They put a foundation of scripture in the life of Timothy. Flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. Let me read an extended passage there. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, it says this. Paul at this moment is warning Timothy about some challenges that are going to come at the beginning of the chapter. And he says, here's how you overcome those challenges, verse 10. You, however, you have followed my teaching and my conduct, my aim of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Paul first points to himself. He says this challenge. Indeed all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Timothy this is ahead of you. While evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse. Deceiving and being deceived. But as for you. Here's his instruction. But as for you. Continue in what you have learned. And have been firmly and have firmly believed. Knowing from you whom you have learned it. And how from childhood. You have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Well, Paul says this, there is a foundation of the word of God that has been laid in your life. See, the first thing that we need, the foundation that we can lay in people's lives, is a foundation of faith. The second foundation is this, the foundation of the scripture. And Paul's warning him, hey, there's going to be challenges ahead, but let me tell you about what's going to help you stand in the midst of those challenges. I want you to be rooted in what has already been rooted in you, the word of God. That's the foundation I want you to stand on. I want you to believe and put your faith in the scripture that has enabled you to stand throughout this. And he tells us three things that the scripture does. He says the scripture does first one thing. It gives you knowledge to bring salvation. Verse 15. He says from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise through faith in Jesus Christ. Hebrews tells us that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It, It penetrates to divide the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. He says from childhood your mama and grandmother were reading you the Bible. Do you do that with your kids? Are you one that opens up the word of God and encourages your sons and daughters in the scriptures, mamas? 
Do you speak the word of God to them? I would encourage you, find an age-appropriate Bible, but let the word continually be spoken in your house. Read the stories, act them out if you're a mom. And be a part of our children's ministry. Our children's ministry is amazing at equipping teachers and, and people to speak at the level of children. I am terrible at speaking at the level of children. And I'm so thankful for our staff that's able to equip and train me to be better to speak to my sons and daughters. The first thing that Paul says is, look, the scripture can lead you to salvation, and it will. See, the scripture will tell you this about Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life we could not live. He died the death we deserve to die. And he rose in victory over Satan, sin, and death. And he has promised eternity to everyone that believes in him. See, if you don't get anything from this morning, I pray that you get that simple gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ came to save you. And you get that great news from the scripture nowhere else. He says the scripture will lead you to salvation. But secondly, scripture is profitable. Verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correcting, and training in righteousness. He says the scripture is literally breathed out by God. It's, it's given by God through men, written down in the words. And that scripture will do three things. It will help you rebuke people. And as a parent, this is a great tool in your tool belt. It will also help you correct people. It means that you will literally uh, restore them in right relationship. It will show you what's wrong, but it also show you how to be restored. And thirdly, it says this, it will, it will train you in righteousness. Literally the word, um, pedia, means like raising up a child. It means that the word of God will help you raise your children better. That's amazing truth. And one of the things that has helped me so much in my life is reading and studying the book of Proverbs. He says, all scriptures God breathed, but I'll tell you what, Proverbs is very instructive. When I was doing youth ministry, and I was studying Proverbs and teaching it to young people, here's what all different high school people told me. Oh my gosh, the Bible says that? That's so helpful. Like, yes, it will help you make better friends and better decisions in life. It will help you raise your children better. And let me tell you what, as a man or a woman of God, when you know the word, And you can speak the word in season. It is so helpful to people. And thirdly, it says this, that it will equip you. That the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. The word of God will prepare you for a life of faithfulness. And it does. The word of God will do those things. And let me tell you what. You don't have to be a man to know the word of God and instruct people in its usefulness. Women have made historic, great impacts with the word of God. I'm going to give you one woman who we've all been influenced by. That's a big phrase. Let me tell you this. There's one woman who we've all been influenced by, and her name is Henrietta Mears. You ever heard of her? Anyone? If you've heard of Henrietta Mears, raise your hand. Okay, so two of you know you've been influenced by her. The rest of you don't know, but let me show you how you have been. In March of 1926, she met a man named Dr. Stuart P. McLennan, the pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Hollywood, California. And he met her and she said, look, you've got to come and start teaching at my church in the Sunday school program. And she did. There was 450 people in that Sunday school program. After she was there a year, it grew to 6,000. 
And there was a couple people that came under the influence of her teaching and instruction. One of them is a a little-known guy named Billy Graham. Okay, Billy Graham has preached the gospel to more people than anyone in history. Okay? And so when he was a young man in 1949, he was uh, struggling with his faith. Faith. He had a, a man named Charles Templeton, a good friend of his, that was struggling with his faith in the gospel, in particular, the, particularly the authority of Scripture. And so Billy Graham is wrestling with this, but, but Henrietta Mears invited Billy Graham to come to Forest Home, where she put on these camps to train people in the Scriptures. And he reluctantly came in 1949 to this moment. And you can read about it in Billy Graham's biography. He came to that place struggling with his faith. He met with Henrietta and she said, look, believe in the scripture, believe in this. And he began continually wrestling, having dialogues at that camp with the staff that was there and Henrietta and others. And then one early morning, he went out by himself. He records this. This was his moment of transformation into the woods, and he finds a tree stump that's kind of there like a pulpit, and he lays the word of God down. He says, Father, there's a great many things in this book that, that I don't understand, seeming contradictions. But I am going to trust in your word, that this is your word, and stand on it and proclaim it. And the next day, he w- walked back into that camp ministry and preached a message and Henrietta Mir says this, the resulting change did not go unnoticed. The next day, he spoke at Forest Home and 400 people made a commitment to Christ. And Henrietta Mears remarked that he preached with authority she had not seen from him before. So one little unknown guy named Billy Graham affected by Henrietta Mears. There's a couple other ones. Uh, Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, which has ministered to more than 25,000 missionaries in 101 countries. Dawson Trotman, founder of The Navigators, which now has uh, 4,600 staff in 103 nations. Jim Rayburn, founder of Young Life, which now represents more than 700 ministries in 324 cities around the world. Let me tell you what your simple life of faithfulness to the word of God can bring. Incredible impact. A little old woman in Hollywood, California, training up young men and women has literally affected all of us. Really all of us? Well, Buck Anderson, who's one of our pastors at our Anderson campus, who is helping oversee the building of Creekside, and as long as helping all of us grow in our faith, he's absolutely amazing, came to faith through the ministry of Billy Graham. That's one. All of us can point to some lines of young life, or Campus Crusade, or others that have influenced us through the life of faithfulness of one woman. I don't know what the impact of your life can be, but it can be big. And let me give you a smaller version. You're like, I can't be Henrietta Mears. Maybe not. But there could be a lot of Marcy Corys in this room. Trey Corys, a um, pastor, campus pastor here. His wife, Marcy, is amazing. If you haven't met her yet, you need to meet her. She has done sorority ministry in this, in this community for a long time. Two of the women that she has discipled are on staff here currently. Kristen Trapnell and Kelsey Smith. And, and I was talking with uh, Kristen about this, and she goes, if we could somehow pull up all the women that she has influenced over the years, I'm like, yeah, we wouldn't be able to fit. And what, how has she done that? Simple faithfulness in leading a Bible study with sorority girls. That's it. 
Simple faithfulness over time. And so what is the simple application? How can I be prepared to lead people in the scripture? I'll give you one simple way. Get in a small group Bible study, a grace group here at Grace Bible Church. We will help you study the word of God for yourself. Or secondly, if you're like Kevin, I've done all that. Then go lead. Go lead a Bible study. Be part of the ministries that we are. Be a part of giving that faith into the lives of others. And the impact is remarkable. There's a foundation of faith, a foundation of scripture. And thirdly, built on those two foundations, Paul says, there's a foundation in which you will fight. 2 Timothy 4 verses 1 through 8 says it this way. Now I charge you. And the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. When Paul says, I'm reaching the end of my life, he says this to Timothy. There's going to be challenges ahead. In fact, all through this letter, he is emphasizing that challenges will come. You see this all throughout it. He tells them, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, but share in the sufferings of the gospel. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. He says, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So what is his antidote to the challenge? He says, I want you to stand on the faith that you have been brought up in. And I want you to fight the good fight. I want you to preach the word in season And out of season. So how will Timothy fight? He will be ready in the word. And he will speak the word. What is the foundation that's going to enable us to stand in the difficulties that come? It's that we're rooted in the word of God. And we speak the word of God. That's the foundation that will enable you to stand. And I'll tell you what. That is the foundation of faithfulness. So here's my last challenge to us. That we would be men and women. Rooted in the word of God. And speaking the word of God. He tells Timothy, there's no off season, right? Be ready in season and out of season, meaning there's no off season. And when you see people with that level of dedication and discipline, it's inspiring. So I ran track in college, and I I was lucky enough to run at the NCAA championships uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana in 2001. And there was two men running in the 10,000 meters that inspired all of us. They're from the University of Arkansas. Now's your chance to hiss. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, safe place. They're from the University of Arkansas. And those two men, one named Alistair Craig and the other one, Daniel Lincoln. And those two guys were physically fit. They were so fit. They could run a four-minute mile throughout the entire indoor and outdoor season. Line up the race, they're running a four-minute mile. It was insane. They line up for the 10K, the gun blows, Alistar takes the lead, he's running relaxed, looking back over his shoulder throughout the race, like, what's going on? And then suddenly Daniel comes charging up, and these two guys run the rest of the 10K talking to each other, (laughs) 
while everyone else is going, oh, oh my, like, I'm, I'm dying. And they run like 28.17 for 10,000 meters, which is absolutely insanely fast. They finish the race, and, and Alistair Craig lets Daniel win, who was a senior. He was like, okay, I'll let you win. And I talked to my coach afterward, and I'm like, I'm like what, what, as coaches, what do y'all do when you watch that? Like, that's got to be, like, demoralizing, right? I mean, what do, what do you do? He goes, every coach asked, how do I get my guys to run like that? They were ready in season and out of season. There was not a moment when they weren't ready. And let me tell you what, as Christians, there's no off season. We need to be ready personally in season and out of season with the word of God because challenges are coming. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It may come at work. It may come from family. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will encounter difficulties, will encounter storms. And and when you're in the midst of those storms, there is a foundation laid, and that's that of Christ Jesus. It can be built on no other. And on that, we need the word of God being spoken into our lives, infusing our lives so that we can stand and fight in the days of difficulty. And we don't fight physically, we fight spiritually, rooted in the word of God. And I love Paul's closing statement that should inspire all of us. He says, now, the day of my departure has come. I'm being poured out like a drink offering. But here's what I can say of my life. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. You know the greatest legacy you can leave? Your children and grandchildren. The people that you have influenced. Your willingness to fight the good fight all the way to the end. That you would be faithful all the way to the end of your days. So that your kids and grandkids, whether they're physical or spiritual, will be able to stand beside you and say, that was the impact they made in my life. And seeing my grandmother, seeing that sister in Christ be faithful all the way to the end, that was inspiring. That's the legacy of faith. That you can leave as a woman of God to the people around you. We're going to close in one more song. And it's center my life. If there's anything our lives need to be centered on, it's this. The person of Jesus Christ and his word to us. And so I'm going to pray for us as the band comes. I'm not sure what God has spoken directly to you this morning. Maybe you need to get in a Bible study. Maybe you need to thank the spiritual influencers that have spoken into your life. Today would be a great day for that. Whether they have kids or they're not, you are their spiritual grandkids. But that all of us would say, Lord, help me to be a man or a woman who lays the foundation of the word of God in the lives of others. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And I thank you so much that there have been men and women in our lives that have made us better. And Lord, in particular, I thank you, Lord, that you have put amazing, godly women. Women of faith that have inspired us. Women with knowledge of the word that have instructed us. Women that have spoken encouragement to us. Women that have prayed for us. Women that have 
have lived a life honoring you all the way to the end of their days that have inspired us to do the same with our lives. And so, Lord, as we celebrate this Mother's Day weekend, I pray that we might, you bring to remembrance all the people that have encouraged us along the way. That we'd give them a call or a text and thank them. And Lord, that we too could be the men and women that are the first influencers in the lives of spiritual sons and daughters. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.